The following is a Sports Ethos presentation. Let's make moves crossover event. Yep, that's right. I'm your host for both shows, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin MBA. Uh, since this is a co-production of both the lead sports media and the sports ethos presentation, check out the lead on Twitter at the lead SM online at the lead SM as well. Uh, and then for sports ethos, check them out on Twitter at sports ethos online, sportsethos.com. Pretty simple for both there. Uh, it just so happens that Let's Make Moves drops on Friday. We have a massive, massive trade deadline extravaganza, uh, breaking everything that happened over this past trade deadline. Ramble Ramble drops every day, usually. So we figured, hey, got my friend Josh Earl over here. And by the way, you can follow him on Twitter, at 2 red J Earl. Um, and we're just going to go into each of it, and then we're going to have it. So you listen to him, no matter where you are, you will catch our analysis. And we're not going to do any grades. We're literally just going to go through each and every deal and have a discussion on it, and we're going to see where the chips fall, where they may on that one, but before we even get started, I'm already exhausted, so I'm just letting it out right there, but Josh, how are you, my friend? Funnily enough, I am also exhausted, a little sick today, but... Uh, oh, you know, man, I'm sorry to hear that, bro. It, well, it's still a good day, though, because not only is it uh, what I consider NBA Christmas, which is the trade deadline, okay. uh, but it's also... The 14th anniversary of my first date with my wife. So wow, 15. Yeah, that's awesome, yeah. man. Shout out to my wife; she rules. Congrats! Yes, yes, <laughs> so. all for that. Wow, that is really cool. Right. Yeah. Well, let's let's start here. Um, let's take a moment before we even start with all the trade deadline moves, and let's briefly discuss the Pelicans trading McCollum. I know me and Josh, we were going at this for a couple of days, having a discussion on this. Um, yep. Let's talk about the Pelicans. Um, and the Blazers trade, as well as the Kings and Pacers, the Halliburton DeMontis bonus swap. So I'm gonna we're gonna discuss them both in turn. We're gonna discuss them as trades mm-hmm. pre-trade deadline. So Pelicans um, traded the Trailblazers traded CJ McCollum to New Orleans Pelicans for a package sent around Josh Hart, and it was draft compensation. Um, it was a seven-player deal. The Pelicans also received Larry Nance and Tony Snell. Um, while the Blazers got Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Tomas Stanaransky, and Didi Luzada in the deal, the Pelicans also received New Orleans' 2022nd first-round pick with protections and two future second-rounders as well. And the second trade, right on top of that, in the same time area, um, the Pacers trade to Montez Bonus, Jeremy Lamb, Justin Holiday, and a 2027 second-round pick to the Sacramento Kings for Tyrese Halliburton, Buddy Hield, and Tristan Thompson. So, Whichever one you want to go first, Josh, we will dive in. But you get first take on the analysis. Yeah, well, I'm I'm from Oregon. Uh, Corbin can tell you I have a framed picture of Arvita Sabonis and a framed picture of Bill Walton behind me right now. That he now. does. That he does. Um, so let, let's start with the Blazers because we've had a lot of discussions since that first deal uh, with Norm Powell and Covington came through trying to figure out what, what's going on. And this just further explains what the the blazers are are trying to accomplish 
it certainly does. And I'm gonna let you expound on that because I, I I feel a little bit differently. I know we had our disagreements on that. I, I know. So I'm gonna let yeah. you go and then I'll, I'll respond in, in that way. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So for me, I'm always trying to come at it from the perspective of a team's actions gives us insight into what their priorities and their goals are. Um, what the Blazers did got a lot of flack because, oh, you know, they they didn't really get much in return for Norman Powell and Robert Covington, who collectively they spent like three firsts on uh, in the past. That's sunk cost fallacy, though. So, you know, you can't recoup those costs. You can only do what's best now. Um, and the Blazers basically with these two deals have cleared a lot of salary cap flexibility um, this off season and a lot of salary off the books. Uh, CJ, I think has another year after this one, one or two, I think. Uh, and then Norm Powell had just signed that, that long extension. So they're clearing a lot of salary flexibility over the next several years. And there's a couple of potential reasons why. Mm-hmm. And the the fan base seems to think like, oh, we're blowing it up. Like, oh, this is horrible. Dame's yeah. going to be traded. Like, Dame is not being traded. <laughs> I guarantee you Dame's not being traded unless Dame, like, really says to Joe Cronin and Jody Allen and everybody involved, like, I'm out. Like, get me out of here. That's not happening. Um, This is all meant to build around Dame and to have more flexibility to put pieces around him moving forward that work better than, you know, what the last couple years have been. Uh, The other bonus, and and I hate to bring this up because I know it hurts Corbin as a Laker fan, but uh, this has got a similar feel to me as the vetoed Chris Paul to the Lakers deal, mm-hmm. um, which everyone thought that was just a giant conspiracy. But if you remember the um, Pelicans at the time, <laughs> <laughs> I know, I know. But the Pelicans at the time were looking for a new ownership group, right? Um, it's not clear yet if Jody Allen plans to sell, but it, mm-hmm. it seems like it's possible. If you really look at these moves and look at what's kind of happened this season so far, they currently are in a position where they'll need a new CEO. They'll need a new GM. They have a massive amount of flexibility, financially speaking. They don't have a whole lot on the books outside of the guys they already plan to build around. Mm -hmm. You put all that together, and that to me says a couple of things. One, that's really enticing to GM candidates. If you can take over a team that already has a future Hall of Famer in Damian Lillard and has some tantalizing young talent in Nasir Little and Anthony Simons, and you have the flexibility to build around those guys the way you want to do, mm. that's, a, that's a lot more intriguing than most new GM openings where you don't have a player of Dame's caliber and you're maybe taking over a, a team kind of like Detroit or Sacramento or something, right? I see what you mean. Mm-hmm. So it, it makes that more enticing. It also makes it more enticing for potential new ownership groups too. You can come in, you still have Dame, you still have the drawing power 
of the fan support in Portland. Uh, their lease is going to be up in 2025. So you can wow. renegotiate that for even more money. Mm-hmm. And then again, you're not coming in with like the books stocked with money to be paid out already. Okay. So I think there's, there's, it, this is a tiramisu level of, of stuff they're working on mm-hmm. where there's multiple layers. It's not just about clearing cap space for the off season and, and trying to build around Dame. It's also positive for potential new GM candidates and potential new ownership groups. Okay. So basically it's not really about the problem on the floor at all this year, of course, and we're looking more toward next year, but not only appealing as a player, but more to the ownership um, kind of front office perspective. My question though is like, and I get that. And I didn't understand that until you brought it out to light. So thank you for that flushing that out. But like, from the player perspective, what exactly are we selling? Because all due respect to Nassir Little, it really just looks like Simon and Lillard. And you're opening up space in a weak free agency class, trying to make trades. I mean, Ben Simmons off the table, right? So they're going to make a trade for Bradley Beal. I mean, I guess it's in play, but Washington would seem to want to do a Beal slash Porzingis and maybe shut down Beal for the year and see if they can get another draft pick. I mean, I can see them doing their own little rebuild effect. But also, let's say that you are trying to trade for Bradley Beal. What exactly are you giving up that's going to appeal to them? Because you're going to lose either Nassir Little or Simons. Yusuf Nurkic is not going to do that much heavy lifting. And you don't have enough contracts that are above the minimum salary, aside from the guys you mentioned. That is true. Uh, Well, the big thing to remember is not only can they clear a a whole lot of cap space, they also created a $21 million traded player exception, which also happens to fit a player like Jeremy Grant, for instance, mm. come around draft time. Um, the the idea with the Blazers and a lot of smaller markets kind of feel this way. I, I I I don't always necessarily agree, but a lot of these markets don't feel like they're free agent destinations. Exactly, so they view cap space more as uh, flexibility in making trades and taking on salary and getting assets in addition. Uh, The Blazers now become one of the teams to look at for teams that are looking to move off longer term deals. So they can pick up some additional veterans who are maybe some deals that their current teams want to get out from under, um, but that might fit well around Dame and maybe like a Jeremy Grant and that sort of thing. Okay. So, I don't think they could get Beal because I don't think Beal's going to go anywhere until after he signs his gigantic, like gigantic next contract. Um, But the Blazers now have a lot more flexibility to be able to be in those types of discussions. Okay. So this is more, you're more talking about how they've got themselves in the conversation now, less that they actually like did. Yeah. Not, not that there's like necessarily somebody on deck. That, that, that they, you know, they know they're, they have a good shot at getting at. It's more getting out from all of the future salary that they had locked in okay. and getting that flexibility so that they can build around Dame as opposed to like tinkering around Dame, which is what they've had to do the last few years. Yeah, no, I guess you at least now you have a stage set where I guess you can make more meaningful change. I just don't trust that they will just come not really. I just don't get the, I don't, 
I'm not totally with the avenue of that, if that makes sense. You know what I mean? I, but, I don't mm. disagree. <laughs> to okay. be honest, you, you know me, I'm a bit curmudgeonly. I don't necessarily, I, there are like five teams, front offices that I actually trust at any point in time. So uh, I'm, I'm not exactly, uh, I'm not exactly expecting the Blazers to nail this. I mean, the last time they had a bunch of cap space, they signed Evan Turner, Myers Leonard, um, and Ennis Cantor to like big contracts. Luckily, OKC uh, matched that <laughs> offer sheet to yep. Ennis Cantor. But um, yeah, I'm not necessarily expecting great things, but I do appreciate that I, I can get a sense of what they're trying to accomplish. And based on what they're trying to accomplish, I think they had a good trade deadline. They didn't get the kind of return that fans and media typically like there's not a lot of young uh, players um, like they moved Nikhil Alexander Walker um, to Utah to get more cap space. Um, Josh Hart. I'm not entirely sure that he's actually a long-term piece for them. Yeah. Given that his contract next season is non-guaranteed. Don't think so. Um, yeah. So I get why the fans and the media are kind of like, oh, what is Portland doing? But if you look at it from the, the other aspects that we discussed, I think it, it makes sense as to why they're doing it the way they are. I, I get that. I get that. Again, this is why you bring a different analysis and perspective that I greatly appreciate because you are coming at it from, I don't know, I'm looking at it more from the player angle, and I think you're seeing it mm-hmm. that way as well, but there are other layers to a deal like this. Yeah. It's never just black and white on his face, and so you bringing that to light is, is immensely helpful here. But um, I guess transitioning more from that trade um, to, I guess, well, not from that trade, but from Portland's side to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Um, you get a guy in McCollum, actually, they're playing as we're recording now. McCollum, not shooting too well, but, you know, so far the Pelicans are more competitive against the Miami Heat team. Oh, he just got swallowed up there. But, <laughs> <laughs> like, as I said it, he got, like, swallowed up by um, Dwayne Dedman and, and Bama to buy on a layup attempt. But the point being, it happens. It would happen if he's in yep. Portland. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, you bring in CJ McCollum on this team. What what do you think the Pelicans are trying to do? Obviously, they were prioritizing uh, bit, uh, older, kind of more experienced guard where they had all that cap space. Again, this is what mm-hmm. I'm trying to that, – the cap space they had, they were trying to prioritize bringing some people in. They, they yep. didn't get them. So they had to go the trade route, and they found a route. Yep. In, and I guess that's a perfect kind of – I don't want to say allegory, but it's a perfect type of um, kind of see-through, like, like thorough, thorough mm-hmm. mark or whatever because – I think that what New Orleans did is what Portland's going to have to do to bring more talent in. I think New Orleans did the exact same thing and tried to create that cast space. Well, great. Nobody wanted to come. So what do you mm-hmm. do? You know, you try to do a trade. It's ironic they're playing Miami and Kyle Lowry. Yeah, exactly, because they, they were going Kyle for Lowry. And, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But when looking at it that way, what do you see from New Orleans' side, aside from, okay, we're trying to win now, Zion, you know, the same type of uh, what's called plot points that we all know. Yeah, it's their, it's their incentives again, right? So. Yeah. We all know things haven't gone great with Zion so far in terms of the relationship with Zion and Zion, like really feeling like New Orleans is where I want to be. I can mm-hmm. win championships here. Uh, and rightfully so. I don't disagree with Zion <laughs> so far. It hasn't really looked that great. Um, that said, if you're David Griffin, of course you want to make the play in. Of course you want to make a push for the playoffs right now. Um, that's the, the best way to kind of show Zion like, hey, look, we're trying to win. I'm not I didn't 
get rid of a bunch of stuff to get additional draft picks or additional younger players. I'm trying to win. Um, and, and CJ gives them more of a, I mean, CJ is not a, a, a straight point guard or anything, but he, he'll bring a little bit more playmaking that than the, the Pelicans have kind of had even Lonzo ball was more of a, a complimentary playmaker than like a, bring the ball up the court every time, run the offense, the offense is flowing through him kind of playmaker um, and, and gives them another avenue for success in half court playoff uh, situations. McCollum can get his shot against almost everybody uh, and he's got a hell of a shot. Um, so you combine him with Ingram and then if Zion ever, you know, comes back this season all of a sudden that's a really scary team to see in the play in potentially i agree i agree yeah yeah because you have some more you have an upgrade on the guard spot in a major way in a perimeter way that they haven't had since they've had zion and brandon ingram um i count brandon ingram more of that forward spot than that perimeter guy mm-hmm. but you get a guard in season mccullum who can play on ball some definitely play off ball um initiate some offense but definitely get his own shot shoot with range i agree if they ever can pull it together it's going to be really nice. Yep. And, you know, it, it hurts to lose Josh Hart, but I mean, Sadoransky was a expiring DD Luzada, you know, is not necessarily going to be a super impactful player for new Orleans and mm-hmm. Nikhil Alexander Walker, as much as I like them coming out of college, He's kind of fallen into that inefficient uh, shoot first. He's my guy. Third, as you probably know, he's my guy. Shoot sixth (laughs) type guy. Um, And and then the other thing is like they get Larry Nance too, which is a nice um, once Nance is is healthy is a nice kind of buffer for if Zion has any more health issues or or any of that sort of stuff. Um, So like I, I. I don't know if it necessarily makes them like a true, you know, this is a clear cut playoff team in the West, knowing how strong the West can be uh, going forward. But it definitely makes them a lot closer to that, um, especially if Zion, Ingram and CJ are are healthy uh, through next season. I mean, there is something to be said there. And I agree. Like if this is not a move now, then it's a move more next year. And yeah, CJ McCollum is 30, but his contract will end when he's 32. That's not bad, especially mm-hmm. for the way that he plays his game less yep. on athleticism, more on craft and, you know, skill. And that's what he's high on anyway. He has that in spades. So definitely yep. think that will be a nice match there. All right. We are doing pleasant on time here. Not that we have a time limit at all. We still got to talk. Uh, we still got to talk Kings and, and Pacers. Pacers. So uh, what are your first thoughts on the Kings making that deal to bring in Sabonis um, at the expense of losing, you know, only a guy who wanted to be in Sacramento and was probably their promising young player uh, of the franchise. Um, so this trade has gotten the weirdest reception and I simultaneously understand it. And uh, I, I don't want to silence Sacramento Kings fans, but um, on the same token, people don't realize like how good DeMontis Sabonis is. Like this season, I, I had the feeling if the Pacers did move him or Turner, that it actually might wind up being Sabonis mm-hmm. because Carlisle had kind of moved away from running the offense through Sabonis um, for most of this season. 
And I think Sabonis does make a lot of sense in terms of kind of um, making it a faster paced uh, offense, um, a lot more ball movement, kind of getting uh, De'Aaron Fox uh, started through movement into a dribble handoff. Um, I think there's a lot to really like about that deal. Um, I mean, Debonis Sabonis is only 25. He's a two-time all-star. He's putting up better numbers than he did the last, uh, the times that he won uh, his all-star nods. He's a really, really good player and probably, I don't know if he's better than Boogie, but he's the best player they've had since Boogie. Um, Okay. Okay. So it's not, it's not a bad deal for Sacramento. That said, Tyrese Halliburton is a hell of a point guard. One of the best shooters in the entire league, including um, pull-up shooting, um, can play on or off the ball, a good team defender, maybe still has some progress to be made as an on-ball defender, uh, but he's also basically one of the best point guards you could get right now who's like 6'5", so he's got some size, um, excellent shooter. And on top of it, um, an all around just great leader, um, great young player in terms of locker room chemistry, all that sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. And like you said, he actively sought to be drafted by the Kings. He actively worked to be kind of an ambassador for the team and, yep. and kind of took no, it upon no himself easy task. to be. Yeah, he kind of took it upon himself to be one of the leaders to take Sacramento out of the doldrums and back into success. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I, I get it. It hurts. It, it's going to hurt for Sacramento Kings fans. But, I mean, if you saw that first game with Sabonis, I, like, I think the Kings will be pretty solid. Like, I, I, I don't think they're necessarily going to be all that great. But I think they're going to be an entertaining team that's still competitive. Okay. Um, but I also fully understand the feeling down about having somebody that meant so much to the team and the community and kind of the hope of getting back to where the Kings used to be in the early 2000s. Um, and I love it for the Pacers. I absolutely love it for the Pacers. I think I told you that um, the last several years, the Pacers have been the worst thing you can be in basketball, <laughs> which is boring. Yeah. Like they've been solid, but they're boring. Um, now, <laughs> between this and the Levert trade, they, they now have Tyrese Halliburton, uh, Chris Duarte, Isaiah Jackson, Miles Turner, once he comes back from uh, the foot injury. And then they have what should amount to three picks in this draft class, uh, one likely top 10, potentially top five, uh, one in the twenties from the Cavs, And then, uh, like very start of the second, uh, round with the mm-hmm. Rockets. Yeah. Second. Yeah. Um, so like, that's a really fun, that's a much more fun, much more interesting group of players to kind of build an identity around and to, to kind of flesh out with the picks that they get in the draft. Um, so yeah, like I, I, I'm actually, I might have to be a fan of the Pacers now. Like I, I already liked 
uh, Duarte and Jackson. Um, and I really like Halliburton. So I might have to, I might have to watch them more next year. I definitely am going to, I think you're right. Having a, a clear direction, uh, a clear tangible path going with the youth movement um, and having a guy who's going to be a perfect fit, you know, to, to do that in Halliburton, someone who can play off of, um, the, the 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 president um yeah yeah you know Rogdon. Rob, Malcolm Brogdon <laughs> play off of him but also if and I think that the Pacers will look yeah. to move Brogdon come off season that's fine Halliburton can take on lead guard roles you still have Chris Duarte you still have a bunch of younger guys Miles Turner's gonna stick around keeping and extending him makes a whole lot more sense now because yeah. you're not forking over money to another guy like that you know um and, and yeah somehow you still have Hield who can also be moved the later you get in his contract the easier he's to move his value is going to be there and if he's not moved, his value will still be there as a good shooter for an Indiana team. So you get that, and you scoop up extra graphics. So, like, yeah. why in the world would you not? You know what I mean? Because you're able to have that from the Levert trade you still have. Some. So that, it, it, functionally, this makes perfect sense for them. For the Kings, listen, Sabonis is only 25. You know, this still yeah. works. Like you said, like, I'm not the biggest fan of Sabonis. I just think he's a little overrated. But I, like, even now I find myself thinking that less and less like mm-hmm. we're one seeing one game of Sacramento, but looking at a little bit more post trade, like okay, what about him am I getting? So I, I I do like him a lot. Um, hey, he was Russell Westbrook's uh rookie, so shout out to that, first of all. But but like also like you know, if you're if you're looking past that and it's it's a lot more than just that, you look at him being, like you said, the best player outside of Mark's cousins, you know, and that's true. And the Kings this is fresh air for them. Yes, it's hard to, to trade a young guy like Halliburton who looked like he has a star trajectory. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. At the same time, the Kings could have traded Buddy Hill years ago for players and They almost backs. did. <laughs> yeah. Like you said, yeah. yo, no, no. Exactly. What I mean is like, no, you make a good point, but like in terms of like, oh, at the height of their value, who they mm-hmm. could have gotten back rather than watch and see these guys not be who they thought they were. And now you're stuck with them, but not stuck with them that you have to extend them because they're good. They're not as good as you thought, but they're the only ones you're going to be able to keep. So like with Halliburton, one could say, hey, Sabonis is like a stud. Like Sabonis is that guy. You know what I mean? And we have that now. And, you know, we'll see how that works with Darren Fox. We're trying to win now. Uh, You know, you bring in guys like Jeremy Lamb. You bring in guys like um, like Jeremy Lamb, like. Um, Justin Holiday, who are going to be actual wings for your roster, you make that happen. Like, that actually works, you know? Add some more continuity to your team. Makes a lot more sense. And now you look like you're in a better position to win, which is what they want to do anyway. So if that is the case, then, like, there it is. Absolutely. Make it happen. Um, And the Kings did just that. And listen, it's different than what they were doing before. You have to give credit where credit is due there because you're going to jump on them for doing the same thing they always do. Well, if they're doing something (laughs) fresh, here it is. So I think it'll be good. I don't like the spacing. In the front court, oh, yeah. and Rashawn Holmes specifically, like neither sets up for that much. I would imagine Holmes becomes trade bait at the draft. Yeah, and maybe and, and there are, that, there yes. are several teams that are interested in in him. So like they, mm-hmm. they could probably get something else. And then uh, have to shout out Monty McNair and the Kings too. They had traded, in theory, sign and traded Bogdanovich. For Dante uh, Vincenzo, Vincenzo yeah. um, uh, a little while ago, and and that didn't work out. Somehow they managed to get Dante Vincenzo, Trey Lyles, who's having a pretty good year in Detroit, mm-hmm. although his shooting numbers are down a little bit, and Josh Jackson, 
for Marvin Bagley the third. They went from having to sign and trade Bogdanovich to get him to to like just getting those guys for Bagley, who is the epitome of a distressed asset. Um, so I, I really also like Dante DiVincenzo for the Kings, especially in the context of playing off of uh, DeMontis Sabonis and adding yet another perimeter defender. Uh, those bench units with him and Mitchell, good luck, uh, ball handlers, <laughs> uh, backup point guard ball handlers uh, <laughs> against the Kings. Uh, trying to make that happen. In fact, let's, let's kind of go to that trade. Let's, let's yep. go to that trade, discuss a little bit. I think you gave it a pretty good analysis right there. But it was a four-team trade. Marvin Bagley went to Detroit. Serge Ibaka went to the Milwaukee Bucks, um, along with a 2022nd second-round pick from Detroit, uh, the least favorable uh, from Cleveland or Golden State, and then a 2024 second-round pick from Detroit from Sacramento originally. So that's what Milwaukee got. Sacramento Kings received Dante DiVincenzo, Josh Jackson, and Trey Lyles additional uh, depth and help there in positions of need, swingman position, the four position, bam. Um, and then Detroit Pistons get Marvin Bagley Jr. And I think Bagley, solid play, you know? Yeah. Young guy, you know? He, you see where he goes from there. See if you want to keep him around. Uh, he's definitely what you would call a distressed asset for sure. Um, has been falling out of favor in Sacramento. Gets a chance now to capitalize as a big who can run the floor attack with the ball in space. Different levels of whether you can shoot the ball or not. That kind of comes and goes, but uh, he's been pretty solid or, or effectively solid on catch and shoot. So you have that as well. Um, and then you're coughing up basically what, a, a second rounder. Like, I, yeah. I mean, yeah. A second rounder, Josh Jackson and Trey Lyles. Like, it's, exactly. it's, a, it's a flyer on somebody who went second in, Ab- in his draft class. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And, and when you look at that, you're like, hey, Lyles had shot the ball pretty well, but he wasn't going to be there long-term and it was Jackson. Jackson rehabilitated his value. Bam. Like Jackson did that. He was almost halfway up the league after that yep. horrible tenure in, San, in, in Phoenix. And he found his way back to being a serviceable NBA player, far from the lottery pick that he was, but definitely someone better than he was looked at. So those yep. two did their job, but they were never going to be long-term future. They're just out of range. They're in that 25, yep. 26 area where a couple of years younger badly fits that way better. Um, as far as the Clippers, I mean, listen, they're probably going to wave those two guys. So, you know, they, they, <laughs> I can Hood see them Sammy maybe Oslo, keeping Simi, maybe keeping Simi, maybe, but, but you see what, yeah. you know, Mabaka was probably going to leave him free agency. You know, he was injured yep. and the fit wasn't right when he was he already, already surpassed in the rotation by Isaiah Hartenstein. Exactly. Hartenstein's been very useful already. Some of that will definitely fit in more long-term in their future. Um, they definitely got under some of the luxury tax bill. So that's good. I think something like almost 30 mil. So yeah, they, they saved themselves some great money. for them on that. And that was after taking on long-term money in Norman Powell. So this works out well for them. You know, they, they, they brought in a contract that put them under more money and they let money go in a player. They didn't need any longer. It's no less than, you know, money, moving money around. If we were doing 2k or basketball gym or something, yep, you know, yep. same thing there for the bucks. You know, I think Assad, we'll see how it goes. Obviously I think, and I said this earlier when the trade happened that by bringing in Serge Ibaka, you're acknowledging that, Brooke Lopez might be out for for the season. Mm-hmm. He might be. You've been trying to find a replacement for him all year. You would give it. I don't know if it was Red Monroe, but you definitely gave DeMarcus Cousins a chance. Mm-hmm. That didn't work out well. Like, you have definitely tried pieces here to see if they could fill in that spot. Serge Ibaka, in theory, can. He's not been shooting the ball very well. Um, he hasn't moved on defense like he was. But if he's able to regain some of that form on a contending team, maybe it's a little bit of that. 
that'll kind of juice it up and bring it back. I don't know if it did. That would definitely be helpful for the Bucks having a guy who fills in exactly what Brooke Lopez does. Not to the degree that he did, but long-term, you know, long-term, long-range shooting and then, mm-hmm. you know, help protection around the rim. That'll be great. And, you know, the Bucks open with two roster spots with this move. So buyout season comes, and yep. unlike the Lakers who are focusing their efforts on the buyout for what? The Bucks can actually <laughs> focus their efforts on the buyout market for a piece that will actually be applicable. Yeah, I'm I'm very upset about that, man. We, I know. We, oh, my and, gosh. Also, the Bucks get two future second-round picks that, that should, in theory, be solid second-round picks. Yeah. Uh, for a guy in Dante DiVincenzo, they were unlikely to be able to re-sign anyway. Like, he's going to be a restricted free agent. Uh, there are going to be teams that would give him – uh, a, a offer sheet that would make the bucks have to pay quite a lot in luxury tax payments to match. So like to get any sort of value back for a guy that, you know, you're not going to likely be able to resign in the off season and to get somebody like Serge Ibaka, who, if he can get right. And if Brooke comes back, then you have Brooke, Bobby Portis and Serge Ibaka, who can all space somewhat, can protect the rim. Like, it, it makes a lot of sense. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with you on that. And then lastly, I'm looking at the Kings, and yeah, you get DiVincenzo. You get uh, someone who, you know, shoots the ball pretty well, brings some decent enough defense as well. Um, Bagley was already going to be gone. We already knew this. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Uh, you can make fun of them for getting rid of a number two at the way they did, but his value was so down. I think everyone would acknowledge that that just was going to be what's going to be. Um, Bringing DiVincenzo in this shouldn't be bad. He cuts really well, shoots pretty decently. Boom. That works perfectly alongside the bonus and Fox. So he's probably the starter at two. I agree. For the rest of the season. I yep. Exactly. Yep. I agree. And then Jackson, again, another wing and Lyle's been shooting the ball well. So mm-hmm. again, we're not giving grades to these guys, but these guys are all solid across the board. Yep. I think all teams got away looking for something of what they were looking for. Whether or not it comes out just like it was supposed to remains to be seen. But you can say all four came in with the desired goal. And it worked out how they wanted it to. Yep. So I guess going from there um, to yet another trade, let, let's get the Spurs out the way here real quick. Okay. Um, <laughs> they, they, uh, Derek White got traded to Boston for Josh Richardson, Romeo Langford, and a 2022nd first round pick, top four protected. I took the line trade last trade. I'm going to get mostly down to you, Josh. So we're not taking turns for so- two hours. <laughs> this one this one was one of the trades that actually had me going like ooh like didn't expect it uh i had kind of mentioned to you and a couple of friends that like Derek white might be possibly available mm. in san antonio given the circumstances and that he'd be really good on certain teams i did not expect the celtics to to be able to get him and at first it just looked like it was josh richardson for him and so i was like whoa okay no no uh slight on josh richardson but Derek white uh brings more of what boston needs right now um and and you know romeo lankerford also going to san antonio as well as a 2022 protected first round pick mm-hmm. um honestly for the celtics i really like this because if you have marcus smart Derek White, Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum, and Robert Williams. They're already really good defense, just got better. Uh, and on top of it, Derek White can be a tertiary scorer. He could be the type of guy, if he's on uh, like a mostly bench lineup, he can help uh, get some points generated and everything. Like, I think he's a really good fit 
with that young Celtics core. Um, and, and I think it was just a really good move um, by, by Brad Stevens. And then on top of it, they, they flipped Bull Bull and PJ Dozier to Orlando and that got them under the, the tax for this season. Even if you factor in uh, Jalen Brown getting his unlikely bonuses in his contract. So uh, Brad managed to nail the money part and he managed to add somebody who I think can actually legit make an impact for the Celtics. I have to agree. That was a very good move. Derek White is someone I think his offensive fit is, is, is fine. It's not been shooting the three ball very well. Second straight year, he's shooting under 35% for three X. He's shooting around 31% this year. Um, hopefully his shot quality goes up in Boston. You know, it is a, a better offensive talent than San Antonio. I think we can all kind of agree on that there. Um, but he's someone who defensively fits right in. You know, he's going to uh, defend well at the point of attack. Um, he's going to be able to, 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 to be pesky alongside a, a Jalen Brown, a Marcus Smart, mm-hmm. which is going to be a very nice backcourt between him and Marcus Smart as well. Yep. Um, they're going to be switchy. You know, it's going to be a good lineup, and I definitely like what I'm seeing there for sure in terms of the fit there potentially. Yeah. For the Spurs, I mean, this has not been a Spurs-like trade deadline, but I agree they've been making some moves. Um, Richardson's solid enough, you know, um, good contributor. They want to move him that they possibly can come the offseason. Uh, yep. But listen, while you have a pick, you definitely are in a good space there for yeah. certain. So that's 100% um, a solid place to be for San Antonio where – if you want to keep Richardson as a vet to kind of keep moving forward, absolutely. If you don't want to keep Richardson, you want to fold him, you know, flip him for a second or two, whatever the case may be, come offseason, continue to bring in some picks and continue to build that youth movement that they might or might not be starting, even better. So we'll see how that goes. But that's my thought there. Yeah. Um, I had two more things. We, we oh, just said, like, uh, Mitchell and DiVincenzo, good luck backup guards. Yes. Good luck starting guards against the Boston Celtics with Marcus Smart oh, and Derek yes. White. Um, no, thank you. And then there's an added interesting element of this in that Ime Udoka was on the Team USA coaching staff um, and Derek White played on that the, um, the Team USA with Marcus Smart, Jason Tatum, and Jalen Brown. Oh, wow. So there's a familiarity there Some between there. those four and with Ime. So a night, and also Ime was, you know, a coach in San Antonio when Derek White was there too. So uh, it should be a smooth transition, uh, a, a smooth uh, adjustment. Yeah. Yeah. Nice transition. There's plenty of, um, plenty of continuity there. That yes. it would lend itself to being a very easy uh, experience there. Well, that's good. I'm going from the next one, man. Trades, trades, trades. Uh, <laughs> Montres Harrell to yeah. Charlotte. Uh, pretty simple. Hornets receive Montres Harrell. Wizards receive Ishmith and, and, and Vernon Carey Jr. I like it enough for Charlotte. I think it's just up their offense. He's not going to help their defense at all, interior, otherwise. <laughs> but, like, yeah. the dude will attack the room with abandon. You know, the pressure is going to put on the basket will help out so much um between Lamelo ball and miles bridges and others like that um it's also going to be a factor in transition he's a guy who runs the floor really well um will definitely be a better fit among those guys with that so i definitely like where the hornets go on that way i just again it's sound it's offense you know that's what they wanted yep. it was a stopgap move and it did what it needs to do um he's gonna be a free agent still just 27 mm-hmm. gonna be 28 here so they're trying to gauge how he fits before free agency if they want to bring him back then great and if not, then not. But to give away basically, you know, players who weren't that huge in your system, 
Um, you know, Ish Smith is a solid backup guard. He's been that for everyone. But, you know, his, his, him not being able to shoot has kind of mm-hmm. hurt him in many of his stops. But he's been solid enough. At the same time, Washington already, we'll talk about their next move here in a second. Yep. But already moved to other players uh, or another play, two other players as well. But then mm-hmm. if you're looking even uh, beyond that, come on out. I mean, this is this is nothing to get to get Vernon yeah. Carey to get Ish Smith back is kind of funny. Because he was a big yep. help for that many of the three guard lineups they had alongside um alongside Russell Westbrook and Bradley Beal during the playoffs. So yep. welcome back, Ish Smith, and they could probably let him be bought out or stick around. He's is that guy. Um, and then Vernon Carey Jr. You know, I haven't seen a whole lot of him so far. Flyer, but a young take big. a flyer. Exactly. Yeah. Why not? And I mean, right now the Wizards they 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 had they were rough. They were rough. If anything, yeah. Ish Smith will bring some good vibes or something. Yeah. And it, like my analysis of this is that the the price point for a defensive center like Miles Turner or Jakob Pertl uh, or even like Rashawn Holmes, who I wouldn't say is a great defender, but is a much better defender than Harrell is. Um, I would imagine that the asking point for those guys was a bit more than the Hornets felt comfortable with at the moment, mm-hmm. especially knowing that they probably had this in their back pocket. Um, fair. More than and, fair. and and the nice thing is the Hornets can go into the offseason and still make a trade or, or still look to sign a defensive center uh, if this doesn't work a, a, as well as they'd like. So absolutely. It's still very much in play there. I agree yep. with you on that. So, again, another solid trade. I'll be well, I mean, Charlotte was already fun. Um, Monster Tower will definitely make them a little more fun there for sure. Uh, we talk about one Washington trade. It's probably only fair. Real quick, let's just do this real quick one because it's also another Washington trade. Mm-hmm. Washington was received cash for Aaron Holiday to Phoenix. I don't really think there's much of that. Cash, great. Okay. Yeah. Cash hasn't, you know, it, it, there's no, there's no cash, cash never scored a point. There you go. There you go. <laughs> there you go. But also, cash hasn't been like, dang, you know, we really had a lot riding on this and cash let yep. us down post trade deadline. It's cash, you know, <laughs> so so it'll work out there. It pays the bills, my exactly. friend. It pays the bills. And we talked about a little off air last episode, talking about future episodes and how you know that kind of matters to a team for mm. more than just the players, you know. So yep. definitely helpful there. Um, and then for Aaron Holiday, I mean guard depth. Not that I think they needed too much because I think he's too small to kind of play alongside uh their other guards and good lineups, but like if you don't trust the injury history of Landry Shamit mm-hmm. or of course campaign, then yeah, bring him in. Yep. He gets the rim. Okay. Like he's a solid enough guard. Um, that was really just more of a, Hey, we're not having a fit here for you. Let's kind of make another move. Um, yep. Speaking of another move, let's talk about. The seven foot three. You knew it. Exactly. Uh, we're going to have to make a trade here with. Uh, we're going to talk about a trade here rather with the Wizards and, of course, the Dallas Mavericks, Spencer Dinwiddie and Davis Bertans are going to Dallas in exchange for Christophe Porzingis and a second-round pick. And I'm going to let you take the floor on that one, sir. Yeah, so this one was interesting from the Mavericks' perspective for a couple of reasons. One, uh, this was not just getting Spencer Dinwiddie to be that second ball handler uh, with Luka. Uh, especially as a buffer in case Jalen Brunson gets an offer from, uh, you know, 
any number of teams, because Jalen Brunson's really good, that Dallas wouldn't feel comfortable uh, matching. They now have kind of a buffer there with Spencer Dinwiddie. But also this allowed them to extend uh, Dorian Finney-Smith, um, which you and I have talked about this. Everyone acts like 3 and D wings it, like exist all over the place. They really don't. There's very few of them. And Dorian Finney-Smith was looking to probably get paid pretty well, likely by another team if he had actually hit free agency this offseason. So this try to think of this uh, as uh, Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and a second-round pick for Spencer Dinwiddie, Davis Bertans is not great contract, and an extra, you know, three or four years of Dorian Finney-Smith. That's fair. When you look at it that way under the umbrella of a larger move, given the extension, that does make a little more sense in that way. So I'm definitely with you on that. Um, I just, I don't know. I mean, it's, it's interesting in terms of them trading for Spencer Dinwiddie now or not mm-hmm. trading for when they could have just signed him a cash face in the off season, yes. you know, <laughs> but instead, I mean, I guess they regret they, they made, they made sense of it later, especially when you had the money for, it, but you overpaid Tim Hardaway Jr. And then now you have the flip, you know, of course, yeah. Kristaps for him, but given Kristaps' injury history, given mm-hmm. that little issue with his right knee again, you know, you want to break up the salary for two players. You want to uh, make a move off of a guy who you don't see centering in as your long-term future for whatever the case may be. There, I thought mm-hmm. Kristaps was having a great year in Dallas oh, this yeah. season, yeah. but you want to cut ties while you can, and the value is pretty high. Fine. Um, either way, the contract that I think they're taking back is pretty rough, and I'm not talking about either Spencer Dinwiddie or the one they left. I'm talking about. Davis Bertans, three yep, years, yep. 49 mil. Literally, after he signed that contract, he immediately became irrelevant in Washington. His three-point shooting went away mm-hmm. completely. But the good news is his gravity is still very real. You know, just the threat of him. That's all he's known as doing. That's all he's known as is a shooter. So yep. you have to stick him because that's his MO, even if he's not actually making a lot of shots. So mm-hmm. that's a good thing there. Um, the spacing would definitely help out Dallas, whether it is in theory or in actuality. They've not been um, super great in terms of getting to the basket. So that'll be helpful there. And Dinwiddie, you know, the vibes weren't right. The fit wasn't right. Nothing was right with Dinwiddie in Washington. It just didn't work out very well. So now you have a guy who, you know, will have more of the ball than he did probably, but he also understands that playing off the ball is going to be a prerequisite here alongside Luka Doncic. Maybe he gives a perfect fit where he alleviates pressure from Doncic, but also assumes enough to kind of not only placate his own offensive inhibitions in that way but also to help out on the end of, of leaving that of leaving that load and diversifying dallas's offense so we got to see how that goes at the same time you know he's not been good this year a career low 21 percent of his field goals are coming at the hoop i just don't understand um his three-point shooting's falling off and like the idea of him working along well with mm-hmm. luca is great Bradley Beal is a lot more off ball than Luca ever is. And yes. that didn't work out. So if you went from Bradley Beal not working and now you expect Luca to work, it could be something akin to from a frying pan into the fire. Yes. Um, yeah. And then from the wizard standpoint, um, getting off that deal uh, in Bertans and moving a guy, like you said, who wasn't really having good vibes with, the guy they hope to re-sign <laughs> to a, a, a giant uh, long-term contract this offseason makes a lot of sense. Also helps uh, illustrate why bringing Ish Smith back might have been a slight little cherry on top of the Sunday, especially mm-hmm. since I think right now, 
you're you're basically looking at Raul Neto and uh, at the point guard. Who's your point guard? Yeah, you said so. It. So like having a little uh, extra there, and then you know, th- there's definitely like you said, Porzingis has had a better season than past couple seasons. Um, and again, you're talking about a seven three guy who shoots it really well and is a rim deterrent. Um, that's that's a nice piece to add to Bradley Beal. And it, I, I got to give uh, Tommy Shepard credit if that Porzingis deal becomes something that like, oh, we got to move off of. He's already moved off of John Wall and Russell Westbrook's contracts. Like, yes, the guy is very skilled at being able to move seemingly unmovable deals. So uh, I, I think this is something that, that works for the Wizards. Um, and I think it works for the Mavs because you can extend um, Dorian Finney-Smith. And now you have kind of that that buffer in case Brunson's price tag becomes too high in the offseason. I like it. Like you said, the, the buffer is important. Having that flexibility as well. And it's been proven that he can get himself, they can get themselves out of situations yep. such as that. So there it is. Um, wow. I'm feeling fumes already i don't even know how long we've been going on we still here, haven't talked we... the, the big one. Oh, duh you know what? okay let's get of let's course get some dennis more schroeder to the rocket yes i was about to say <laughs> let's do dennis Schroeder to the rockets um real quick we're gonna do these all in one kind of go but dennis Schroeder to the rockets these are like fringe trades ca- yep. uh salary dump trades sort of thing uh well one i guess one little minor trade we'll, we'll put it all in the same jacket we'll well, I'll let you pick which is the most interesting. I'm kind of of the same mind on all of them. Uh, Phoenix cool. traded Jalen Smith to Indiana in exchange for mm-hmm. Torrey Craig. So Jalen Smith, second-round pick, go to um, Indiana. Phoenix receives Torrey Craig. They should never have let go of Torrey Craig, in my opinion, to begin Agreed. with. They got Agreed. it back. Great. I guess it didn't take that much value for a guy you were going to mm-hmm. keep around anyway. But I guess it also shows that you made a mistake with Jalen Smith because he shouldn't have been drafted yeah. where he was. Tyrese Halliburton, who coincidentally he'll be joining <laughs> now in yes. Indiana, could have been had by Phoenix. And oh, what a fit that would have been. Oh, yes, that would have been delightful. That said, all of that is sunk cost. And I got to give any front office uh, like Monty McNair with Bagley uh, and, and James Jones with uh, Jalen Smith, I give you credit for moving off a player that doesn't work with what you're trying to do, regardless of all the um, kind of emotion and money and stuff uh, that was invested into that player in the first place. So I, I always appreciate those types of deals because I know it's hard to look past some cost anyway. Mm-hmm. Um and I, I think the Pacers were trying to subsequently flip Smith for additional assets uh, and, and didn't pull that off. But free flyer, get to see Smith get some minutes on a, a hopefully a more exciting, fun Pacers team and, and go from there. It's definitely something I'm looking forward to. I think I like the fact that we do have again. Um, you know, uh, right where he should have been the entire time and, and under contract for next year as well. Um, Tory Craig, someone who can get hot at from three for a while, someone who has been able to help with the defense and be a good fit there. I just think it's going to be a nice, nice spot in general. So definitely with you on there, not a whole lot. I probably said more than I even meant to say in that case. Um, <laughs> another cost cut move, PJ Dozier, a bowl bowl to Orlando. Um, for a second round pick, that's like the top 55 protected in cash. So we're yep. just cutting costs here. Bobo yep. is out for the year. Uh, same with PJ Dozier. 
Um, what happened to Bobo? I forgot what happened. Um, I forgot as well. I think it was his back or something. Yeah. I think, but point is, those are towards it left ACL. He's going to be done. Um, it really was just to get money that's going to be off the books anyway. Um, and that's it, you know, and the Magic are doing this for the second round picking cash. They're a team right now. Actually, really... the, s- hmm? the Celtics are getting the cash. And the, oh, my the fault. No, no, wait. Oh, no. Boston receives the second round pick that's fully high protected. Orlando receives PJ Dozier, Bull Bull, second round pick in cash. Oh, okay. Yeah, because yeah, the so, Magic are taking all those contracts. Yeah. I, also, like, it might just be the Magic also getting a sense, at least off the court, of Bull Bull and PJ Dozier as guys if they want to add them in the offseason. For young talent. That makes enough yep, sense. Yep. That makes enough sense. Yep, perfect. And then now we get to the aforementioned Daniel Tice, Dennis Shooter trade. Uh, again, we'll let you go with this one first, Josh. <laughs> I mean, uh, this is basically just a, another kind of uh, the Celtics needed to get off Schroeder. They weren't going to be able to keep him uh, in the process. They were able to bring Daniel Tice back, which – you know he fits in with what they do and, and has, uh, again, that familiarity, like we mentioned with Derek White, uh, only actual familiarity playing with these guys over the course of entire seasons. Uh, for the Rockets, I think this is basically just get out from under uh, any um, future salary for mm-hmm. the dice, uh, and in the process, you know, just probably work on a buyout with Schroeder or uh, I I think they already worked out a buyout or a cut. Uh, yeah, Cantor. Yeah, uh, sorry, Ennis Freedom. Um, <laughs> so yeah, like, yeah, you said it. Um, and then for Boston, I mean, listen, I mean, this is for Houston. I think acknowledgement that hey, you know, giving Daniel Tice a three year deal, age twenty nine, when we already have Christian Wood and Alperen Sengun, not the wise decision. We knew this, most of us did when he was first drafted, but hey, the fact they're able to get out of that's great, and for the low, low cost of Dennis Schroeder, Bruno Fernando, and his freedom, all of who can be waived and have mostly been subsequently done just that, that's nothing. I think it's great. I think, um, you know, Boston's taking over the final two guaranteed years of Tice's deal. They didn't require any draft equity to do that. The Rockets are getting Schroeder, who might actually help their offense. That's how to keep them. If not, say la vie. You know what I mean? It's no big deal. Um, nope. So, yeah. This is another another move that it is what it is, and it worked out okay. So we'll go with that. Um, Guan Dragic is mm-hmm. now probably going to be a free agent, but as of right now, <laughs> he is. <laughs> he'll probably be a future Maverick, but as of now, he's San Antonio Spur, along with the 2022nd first round pick that's lottery protected this year, top 30 protected in 2023, turns into two seconds and not conveyed. The Raptors get Thad Young, Drew Eubanks, who's already been waived, in a 2022 mm-hmm. second-round pick from San Antonio via Detroit. Listen, for San Antonio, I like the fact that they have taken two first-round picks from last summer's uh, yep. Marta Rosen signing trade. It's pretty good. You know, um, you, you take one, it was a stepladder kind of trade. You know, that Young, boom, and then another one, boom, mm-hmm. which is really kind of cool. Um except that you don't think about the players that San Antonio gave up to get DeRozan to begin with. So, you know, as long as you don't look at, uh, as long as you don't look at that, you're fine. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> but, you know, Jakob uh, who I thought was definitely going to go to Toronto or other teams is going to stick with the Spurs. He is the For nucleus now. of their defense anyway. Yep. Exactly. Off season. We'll see what happens. Um, you still have the return of Zach Collins as well. So that helps as yep. well. And the Spurs weren't utilizing that young. He wasn't happy. Yep. Everyone knew this. They should have played him more. Um, 
if they had played him more, they probably would have gotten greater value than that because he's a better player than what he received in the return of a trade. But they didn't. You got and, a first. Like, yeah. But imagine, yeah. I mean, you could probably, I'm not saying could have got two, but maybe a first and like Malachi Flynn. Yeah, I, I hear you. Yeah. You know what I mean? A first and a guy yeah. like that, you know, I, I, I always say like a Chris Boucher is not young at all, but additional player of value. But yeah, yeah you're like right. Yuta Watanabe. There you go. Someone like that. Yeah, I would think a Malachi Flynn or a Watanabe would have been great. But yep. for the Raptors, I like it for them. I mean, listen, yeah. they, they, they had to give a couple of picks, but that's fine. Um, they get a guy in that young who's going to help them um, <laughs> just versatility wise positionally. He can play small ball five. He can play the four. Um, Pascal Siakam's been shooting the three at a high clip. You're getting another guy with crazy length um, joining a team of, of scrappy defense. They're well coached, good athleticism and arms, excuse me, arms for days. I definitely yes. like that. Pterodactyls, and, all ex- of them. There you go. Fitting <laughs> the Jurassic Park theme. Exactly. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and with the way that, yeah. Um, Siakam has been shooting from the three. OG Anobi's been shooting the three. Um, Fred Van Vliet and, of course, Gary, Gary Trent, Trent Jr. Yep. You do have enough space now to utilize the play of that young small ball five, which is great because his passing ability, as we saw in Chicago, mm-hmm. is something that could be a real asset to a team. So I think they're doing really good there. Uh, Eubanks, I thought, had kind of satisfied Toronto looking for a big, but maybe they always thought that that young was their true big all along. So those are my thoughts on that. Yeah. Other than that, man, I mean, we got it. We've been yeah, saving no, the nothing bit. else major happened, right? No, like, there's no, no, like, no. I mean, Twitter shaking. Listen, deals. we all know the Lakers didn't move. We didn't. We know the Lakers didn't make a move. You know, we all know the Lakers didn't move anything. So honestly, That's that'll true. do it here for. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's talk about the elephant of a trade. Of course, the Brooklyn Nets. Ben Simmons, the trade that was never going to happen until, oh, snap, it happened. Unless you, yep. as I did, and I'm sure you did too, believed in Brian Windhorst over Adrian Wojnarowski because Brian Windhorst said it with his chest, and I am proud of a person who does that. It happened. The, the Simmons saga is over for now. Um, ben yep. Simmons is now a Brooklyn Net, along with Seth Curry, Andre Drummond, a 2020 second first-round pick that is unprotected with the right to defer until 2023 as well as a 2027 first-round pick that's top eight protected through 2028 and becomes two seconds of not combat. Yep, they did all that. It's a Daryl Morey trade. You knew that was going to happen. Just a prerequisite. The Philadelphia 76ers, they got it nice and simple. They got James Harden. They got Paul Millsap. Josh, I'm going to let you go for first, man. Yeah, this is an interesting situation because there was leverage on both sides, and, and, and you have to give Morey credit that – they still have Tyrese Maxey and Matisse Thibel, whom you know the Sixers pushed for. Um, again, it's it's weird leverage for both sides because Harden ha- has kind of pouted with his play and, and kind of tried to force his way out of his last two teams now. Um, and, and his – his game isn't what it has been previously. Uh, there, there has been some decline in part due to the new uh, officiating rules for some of the fouls that he used to trick uh, them into calling. Yeah, oh, all the time. Uh, and yeah. then, like you know, age and, and all that sort of stuff. Uh, on the flip side, Ben Simmons hasn't played in seven months, <laughs> um, and, and also is kind of. Um, I, and I don't want to belittle any mental health thing. But outwardly, given how he's uh, kind of approached the Sixers and the media during all this, also kind of gave off that that pouting, 
Like, I don't want to do this uh, thing that Harden also did. So it, it, it was interesting in that regard. Um, I wouldn't have, I told you beforehand, I wouldn't have been shocked if the deal ha- happened before the deadline or if they waited until the draft. Um, it's a little sad to see Seth Curry go because he has such great chemistry with Embiid. Um, and people like Harden is a high volume three point shooter, but people don't really realize he's not that great a three point shooter. Not really. So the the Sixers spacing definitely has kind of taken a hit. It's a loss deal. Um, also, like I love Paul Millsap. Uh, I don't know if Paul Millsap is as good a backup for the oft injured uh, Joel Embiid as Andre Drummond has been this year. Depends on how you feel about Drummond, but all in all, it I, I think both teams did well in the trade, and simultaneously, I could see it blowing up for both teams. <laughs> so it's like a it, it's one that I'm looking forward to see how it plays out. Uh, I think. Harden and Embiid will work well together. The fact that they're getting somebody of Harden's ability and production so far this year for basically uh, somebody who hasn't stepped foot on the court Mm -hmm. this year, uh, I I think is obviously going to be a help. There's going to be an adjustment period. James Harden likes the ball in his hands. Joel Embiid likes the ball in his hands. They'll have to figure that out. Uh, I'd imagine they would. Personally, I don't think either of these teams are true, like top tier championship contenders after no, this deal. I agree. Um, I didn't really think they were beforehand either. Um, so uh, ultimately, it's a really interesting trade that I think I, I messaged you when it when it dropped that like this still feels underwhelming. <laughs> like there was all this, for lack of a better term, hullabaloo. Uh, about uh, this happening, and it's been that way for, for a long time. Yeah, almost going to into last season when Harden almost was traded for Simmons last trade deadline, um, but chose Brooklyn instead. Um, it's a fine deal. That's I'm glad you ended it with that because that was exactly my line. Like it's okay. I don't like it right now. I think both teams have collectively like t- lessened their own championship odds. You know, like they've canceled themselves out in a way. You got 29 games left for Brooklyn, right? 10 of which are on the road. So you basically said no Kyrie. I mean, they played tonight and they lost from what I'm looking at. Um, or they were losing from when I last checked. Let me just make sure that's the case while I'm talking. Yes, they lost by one point to the Washington Wizards with uh, Raul Neto. So there you go with that. Um, Neto. Raul Neto outbested um, Kyrie Irving. So sure we also like coming. Um, actually, he didn't, but I'm just being funny. But aside from that, Aside from that, you, that was one of the few games where you have Kyrie. So they have nine games left Kyrie. And that's, of course, feeling mm-hmm. get vaccinated. So there you have with that. You look at the, the rest of the Nets right now. Ben Simmons has not played, as you said, in seven months. Rich Paul says going to take, they're going to work him back in. That is code language for we're going to have to get him in shape. Mm-hmm. So like there, game there, shape, not in shape, but like basketball shape. Yes, there, there's a distinct difference between not James Harden, he's getting being shape, in uh, like – basketball shape and being in game shape and it's going to take a little bit of time for him to get into game shape uh and also there's probably going to be a little bit of rust to shake off after seven months of not necessarily playing high stakes five on five exactly you said it so 
there you go with that. And, and that's something that's going to have to be accounted for. But we're also in the midst of a stretch run now without Kevin Durant, who also, whether he's being coy or otherwise, said today that he has no timetable on when he'll return. So that's in, that's reassuring, of course. So And that, Joe Harris is out with and the he's ankle out injury. And, yep, yep, seeking a second opinion that will possibly come out for the year. So there you go with that as well. So Brooklyn just does not look like one at all. Philadelphia, now we're locking, looking at the fact that whether or not they were real or, or heavily implied the hamstring issues for James Harden, but also the fit issues, you know, how is he going to fit with Joel Embiid? Just throwing in the pot. Philadelphia had great chemistry. Seth Curry was mm-hmm. playing well, you know, they're finding their stride together. And now just like that is gone. Now you bring in two guys, um, Millsap, I think would be a great vet, if not a little quiet there, but Harden is definitely another voice and it still is Embiid's team, you know? So it's going to be very interesting how that works together. Does he alienate Tyrese Maxey? You know, because Tyrese Maxey mm-hmm. really comes on the point guard, but now Harden's going to be on the ball a lot. And Harden's not really good playing off the ball because if he was, well, you know. So <laughs> there's an issue there. Like I said, I think it works okay for both teams. Brooklyn's defense probably gets better. Philadelphia's offense gets juiced up, and you got a player instead of that's playing now instead of a player that wasn't playing. So I guess addition by addition is addition, right? Like, uh, that doesn't make any Technically sense. Technically speaking. Math wasn't. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I so, mean, mathematically like, speaking, yes, you are accurate. There we go. I'll just go uh, with that. It just, it's just such a weird. I don't, I don't uh, know. I don't like it at all, actually. The, I, the other element of it is obviously, like, Hart, as part of the deal, Harden opted in to uh, his player option for next year. Uh, but you still probably, unless he forces him his way out of the Sixers at next year's trade deadline. Uh, uh, You're probably looking at signing Harden to a subsequent deal Mm -hmm. at crazy max money when he's again, another year older and getting older athleticism starting to slip a little bit. And like, it's, it's one of those things where I think it helps maybe raise what the the Sixers might be able to do this year, but it it, it might put somewhat of a limit on what they can do, you next, know, yeah, the next years. like three five years. Yep. Um, I agree. I agree. It's gonna be interesting to see how that works. I don't know again how. I feel about it because there's a whole lot of men and then I get strong feelings. Oh, I don't like this trade or oh, this trade could work. So this is one of those trades that's to be determined for sure. But mm-hmm. listen, man, this was, wow. This was a day of insanity. Yes. I guess, I guess real quick, we're not going <laughs> to, I don't want to do winners and losers because we are wrapping this up here. Yeah. But before I do let you go, was there a team you expected to make a trade that did not? We talked. You talked about the Lakers. You said, "Hey, the Lakers didn't make any sense. They had no assets to make a trade with." Yes, like, yeah. You weren't going to again. Sorry, but yeah, like yeah. like nobody like you, you. You kind of before we started recording, Corbin was like, "Man, the Lakers didn't even try," and I was like, "I guarantee you, they tried. <laughs> it's just nobody wanted what they could offer." Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think that the thing that I was kind of, and, and I mean, like Harold works. But I, I was kind of expecting the Hornets to pull out a deal for a defensive center who could like help their major significant issue on mm. that side of the court. Um, beyond that, yeah, I don't think there was any other kind of uh, deal that I was expecting that didn't come through. Yeah. Maybe Jeremy Grant. But- yeah. 
that was interesting. Although I guess they said that he is fine where he is and that they yeah. are comfortable with each other. If it works, it works. I'm not I'm not wanting to move people just for the sake of moving people. But at the same time, like I thought they could have filled something. Maybe they didn't like the offers they got, and guess what? That is that is okay. So yep. it works out just fine. It works out just fine. But um Honestly, before I let you go, Josh, I just want to say thank you for breaking this down. I, mean, I don't know how long we talked. It feels like it's been hours. It's probably been an this, hour. This whole day has felt like it's been. <laughs> yes, I feel like I'm absorbing my like, words. And it, it seemed like a pretty, like, I, I, I don't know the numbers, uh, like how many total deals came before the deadline. Um, I, I, I don't know where this stands in terms of busiest deadlines, but it felt like a busy deadline. It did. It and was it, the and most it had active a couple in like of, 11 years. Uh, mic drop type deals um so it, it definitely was uh an exhausting deadline but for the most part in a good way I, I think a lot of these deals at the very least were intriguing for various reasons um i'm now actually interested in watching the pacers which is not something i could say post uh their eastern conference finals appearances mm-hmm. um, they win they win for that yeah yeah like i'm they're gonna be on my list along with the the Cavs, the Nuggets, because I'm you know I'm a Jokic guy. I do, uh, and, and the Memphis Grizzlies is like the teams I'm gonna pay the most attention to next year. There you go, man. Hey, well, listen, I think a lot of teams just got more watchable. I'm definitely excited to see the Pelicans. I'm definitely excited to see the Pacers. Uh, in fact, are they playing today? I think. I think as a recording, they they had a game or something. I don't know. I'm referencing a lot of things I probably shouldn't because I'm tired and not looking. <laughs> but I definitely think some teams have just gotten a lot more interesting. Other Pacers play tomorrow. Um, definitely think some teams have gotten a lot more interesting. I can't. Oh, they play the Cavs. That could be fun. Yeah. Anyways, that will be fun. That will be fun. The whole Levert thing. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. It's gonna be very fun. They'll be in Indiana, so let's get Caris Levert his uh, tribute video. But um, joking aside. Listen, this has been a lot of fun. Thank you, Josh, again um, for coming on. I can't wait to do this again next week with you. Yep. Thanks for having me on. It's always fun, man. I like always, man. running the verbial pick and roll with you. Hey, there we go. I love it, man. I lo- That's a good one. I like that. That's a good one. There it is. We're going to be doing that a few times here on, well, both Round Ball Ramble in the future, but also future episodes of the show here the crossover we're doing with let's make moves so definitely stay tuned for that uh since it was a crossover show i'm gonna plug everything make sure to follow josh on twitter at two red j earl make sure to check out his great site contextual scouting look that up there's some great stuff going on over there um along with the word um that rhymes with um energy that sucked but check it out <laughs> i mean technically it does rhyme there you go it's a little off but you check know it. I, I feel like your delivery lacks some synergy but there you go so definitely make sure to check out contextual scouting contextual scouting.com um great resource great information um i definitely recommend the opportunity there sign up for that but look at it first check out josh on twitter at two red j earl find me on twitter at corbin nba uh, this is both a sports ethos and the lead sports media presentation so check out the lead on twitter at the lead sm online the lead sm.com pretty simple for sports ethos on twitter at sports ethos online sports ethos.com this has been a crazy day of trades and talking and and texting for me and josh we're going to be getting a long rest which will probably last exactly one day before we react to some more nba news but until next time y'all enjoy the rest of your friday enjoy your weekend make some moves um and until next time we'll talk soon
This has been a Sports Ethos presentation.